Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the, of the best year. podcast of ever. Hey! We're, we're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Building our homes as fortresses of righteousness for protection from the world takes constant labor and diligence. Welcome to Warding, the 108th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Mormon religious leader Joseph B. Worthlin. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr, I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And a nod to the Mormons. A nod to the Mormons. They, they'd probably fall oh. over dead if yes, they knew a pagan podcast was quoting one of their peeps. But, you know. Listen, I'll quote whoever. That's right. Good luck stopping me. Housekeeping. 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 We have one new cat. What's no, kitten. No, sorry, okay. one new kitten. One new kitten. We well, love our kitten. kitten. And two new hunters, Carly Hodges and Cara B. Welcome Hello to our hunters. hunters. We love all of our patrons, as we say every week, but I feel like it's important to say. Oh, also, 2 o'clock on Sundays, we do a Zoom call, mm-hmm. which is super cool now because we have a green screen and right. I can put up funky videos is behind me. Is that the me. royal we? Yes, it is the royal we. <laughs> and then on Monday mornings at 8 a.m., we do a <laughs> <laughs> That would be we. <laughs> right. The royal we on the other side of the royal family, the queen. <laughs> does a meditation on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. If I do my job correctly tonight, we'll have a movie background on it tomorrow. Hey, hey, hey. Good, <laughs> That's very so. fancy. Book Club? Yeah, Book, Book Club. Club. Wednesdays. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Yep. On Zoom. And you're currently doing... How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. You're on chapter 10? Yep. Question mark? We yep. are on chapter yep. 10. Yep. How, many, how many chapters are there? I think there's 17. Oh, okay. We're getting so, there. Yep. We're halfway. halfway. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's a new podcast that's that actually a video no, no. that is called Three Pagans on Tap, and it's every other Tuesday, so not this upcoming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after, mm-hmm. Sarenth Odinson, Malik Odinson, and myself talking about alcoholic beverages, non-alcoholic beverages, and how they relate to our paths. Yes. <laughs> so here's the deal also. So last week we talked about Gosh, if people wanted to do a yearly, they had to do it through coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. By yearly, he's talking about like membership to our our Patreon. Right, That's right. Yep, membership to our Patreon <laughs> being yearly. <laughs> that could have been interpreted a number of ways. <laughs> anyway, we record on Sunday nights, mm-hmm. and then Monday morning, I got yes. an email from Patreon, Patreon going. Hey, by the way, we ended, we added annual subscriptions. With timing. So, <laughs> if you sign up for an annual subscription, you actually get 10% off the cost. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you get a 10% discount, and you pay for it once a year instead of spreading instead it out of every month. Every month. Yep. And that is good for all levels of patrons. Correct. Right? Yep. yep. So, from kitten on up to lion, if you want to support us, and you want to do it yearly... Just in a- Yep. Just in one payment. big chunk, you can now do that and get 10% off. 
Yep. So anyway, that was new. A new feature Patreon yep. added that just happened to happened coincide so damn well. It was perfect. <laughs> it was literally perfect. Although we do still appreciate those who use coffee. Single donations. To make yep. single donations, and we appreciate, and thank you for those. We actually got one this week. Yep. So. All right. Is that all our housekeeping? Um, I believe we're house kept. And house swept. All right. <laughs> we can now move on and discuss today's topic, warning. That's right. Which is a, a subject we've been asked to cover a couple of times. And ironically, last this past week, mm-hmm. Ode and I were watching a, a spooky movie. Spook, a couple of spooky movies. Mm-hmm. And That's because I was out of town. That's yes. right. Car was out of town. When Car is out of town, Gwen and I watch spooky movies because we like spooky things and Car emphatically does not. That is correct. So we watched the first two of the Insidious series. Yes. And we were watching this and started yelling at the psychic, yes. who is the lynch <laughs> between all the movies, because she was not doing any sort of spiritual protection. No. I got so annoyed, and so did Ode, and we spent half the movie did saying, anybody, any, even... Any halfway competent witch could have solved these movies 20 years before they started. Or psychic, for that matter. Uh-huh. At least, well... Most psychics should know this information. Right. Not everyone does. But not everyone does. But then I went ahead and wrote a blog post about mm-hmm. it. So if you want to find out about our misadventure, <laughs> right. go, to go to Patheos and read the blog because I, I pretty well describe our conversation there. Right. But one of the things that we were talking about with that movie that Elise should have done that was put up wards on this house. That's right. And, or the child involved. Right. Well, specifically the house, because wards are for places and shield are for people. Good point. One of the things that they never seem to do mm-hmm. in a haunted house is cleanse a ward. That's right. Which would solve most, you know, most minor to moderate hauntings. That's right. So we've been talking about that, and conveniently we had already scheduled... We coincidentally again. In fact, we went. We really should do this as a topic. As, and I was, and so I was going to go add, add it to our calendar, calendar. And I looked what our next week was, and it was warning. Right. I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> we love how the universe brings all these things together. That's serendipitous timing this week. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should start with because we've already done an episode on grounding, centering, and shielding. Mm-hmm. Right. So we should start with describing the difference between shielding and warding. That's true. You already That's did, but okay. Right. So. A shield is a personal energetic barrier that a person puts around themselves. Okay. A ward is a more stable, in-placed barrier, mm-hmm. still made out of energy, that you put up mostly around places or objects. That's right. Can we call them Robin? Why? Because he was played by He's Burt Ward. making a really bad Batman joke. Okay. I didn't get that one. <laughs> It's okay, one, you're not into Adam West Batman. That one missed me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I get it. <laughs> Congratulations, Rana. You got today's dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a prize for that. Oh, my gosh. So I guess the first thing to talk about is what happens when there's no wards. Well, what happens when right. there's no wards? Well, it happened to us back in the day, and... Obviously happens to the family in Insidious. In many a spooky movie. In many a spooky movie. Alright, so back in the day, I'm gonna use my own personal experience. Fifteen years ago, I started getting into ghost hunting. Because I have always been sensitive to spiritual energy. I wanted to improve my 
mediumistic abilities, and also I felt like I could help people who were experiencing paranormal phenomena. phenomena in their home because I grew up experiencing paranormal phenomena in my childhood home. I was so excited about learning how to be a better psychic medium mm-hmm. that I just opened myself up and didn't put any kind of shielding up on myself, or the shielding that I used was minimal, mm-hmm. and I didn't think to put protections on the house. Mm -hmm. And so I would go out and do this ghost hunting thing and end up bringing stuff home. (laughs) And to the point where my dog wouldn't come near me Mm -hmm. and Ode. Yeah. I started seeing things in the house. Started seeing. I'm not a psychic. (laughs) Yeah. I had a a really frightening encounter. Mm -hmm. In retrospect, I don't think it was actually a threatening encounter. But I was, like, 14 and very spooked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, I think you told me you grabbed a knife. I did. you thought there was, you know. I thought there was someone in our house. Yeah. Anyway, I realized that I was making some huge mistakes. Yes. And so <laughs> I started putting up wards. I taught Ode how to put wards mm-hmm. up and things like that. Partly, I think part of the problem is it was my enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, you to, were too excited to I was get into it. I was too excited and I think that happens to a lot of people, especially people who are interested in, in paranormal phenomena, people who are psychic mediums, or they figure out that they're psychic mediums and they, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be afraid of that talent. They want to, they want to embrace it. Embrace it. And so you can, it's easy to get a little gung ho. In fact, Melkor says, baby Gwyn, no. <laughs> yes, sadly, sadly. But I also experienced some really intense psychic phenomena, mm-hmm. paranormal phenomena at that time, which is also part of what led me to going back to Christianity for a while because right. I scared the shit out of myself by allowing these things to affect both me and my family. That is what can happen if you do not properly if shield yourself, but also if you are experiencing something in your home and you don't take measures to safeguard. Well, and the more magic or energetic yes. work or spiritual work that you do in a place, or psychic work that right. you do in a place, the, the more, more you draw. Right. You you make that place... A portal. A portal, yeah. yeah. Or, or comfortable with well, that kind right. of energy, that kind of activity. And, and so it draws in more of itself. Exactly. And if you don't set up wards, you don't get to control who's coming in. Kai says, if you open the door but don't lock it, it's easy to open again. Exactly. And Streaking Fate says, I think people are sometimes afraid that if they put up shields and wards at the beginning, that they won't have any experiences, good or bad, and that isn't the case. I think that's a valid comment mm-hmm. and thought yeah. consideration because people, you know, we watch all these shows that are on TV. You don't see as many ghost hunting shows or paranormal phenomenon or psychic phenomena shows as, as you, you used to, to yeah. like 15. It's not as trendy as it was. Yeah, 15 years ago, it was when like you got everywhere. It. When I got into it, it was the thing to do. And you rarely saw them take any kind of protection or precaution. Mm-hmm. That's because most of them were fake. Yes. Well, that's, that's true. Shit. Very, very fake. And Absolutely. full of dude bros who want to, like, insult the ghosts. For right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That <laughs> still annoys the shit out of me when I see that bullshit. But the problem is, is that people take that stuff seriously, and they that's where they're learning their information mm-hmm. from. So if they're delving into whether it's paranormal phenomenon or even early witchcraft, mm-hmm. if they're doing it based on... Uh, media that they're consuming without doing that, taking the extra step to do research. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a mentor, yeah, to exactly. teach them these right. things. Or if they have a mentor who doesn't approve of what they're doing and doesn't help them. Right. That also is the thing. 
<laughs> yes. Because that's what I had going on. Yes. My mentor did not like my ghost hunting or my mediumship, and she pretty much said... Figure that out on yep, your you own. you figure that yeah. out. So she, she let you learn by experience? Yes, she did. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me learn it from experience. Yep. yep. Now that we've discussed why you should probably have some wards on your yeah. own, especially if you're going to be doing any kind of magical or spiritual work. Any kind of magical or spiritual work. Um, exactly. Let's talk about how to actually do it. So step mm-hmm. one before you ward a place is to cleanse it. That's because right. it doesn't make sense to ward a place that already has bad stuff in it. That's right. And some people, I've you know, done a little extra reading on what other people do to cleanse their home. Some people do it both spiritually and physically. They mm-hmm. can use a besom to sweep out that negative energy, but at the same time, you can take Florida water and spritz and mop your floors and church your walls. We, we talked about that, I think, in the mm-hmm. cleansing episode, that you yep. can do like a spring cleaning kind of a thing. Yeah, As well exactly. as part of your cleansing. Do whatever cleansing is appropriate for your space. Whatever feels right. Because, as Streaking Fate says, yeah, don't lock the entities in with you. <laughs> right. And that shit is not fun. Yeah. So, cleanse first, then ward. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of ways you can do warding. Mm-hmm. The most sort of basic kind, I guess, at least what I perceive as the most basic mm-hmm. kind, is like a purely energetic ward. Yep. Where you visualize and manipulate energy, mm-hmm. and usually you'll see it just sort of fused into the walls mm-hmm. of this space, so it perfectly matches the boundaries of the physical location. Ironically, or maybe not so ironically, it is actually a technique Christians use. They just don't realize that's what they're doing. Oh, Please yes. describe. Uh, at least Pentecostal Christians will pray for a hedge of protection, protection yeah. around their homes, but they ask for the angels, the angelic to beings, to come and build this hedge of protection around their home. That is also something that you can do if you work with, because there are people, there are Christian witches, there are people who work with angels Mm -hmm. in different disciplines. You can ask friendly spirits, like angels, Mm -hmm. or guides, or whoever, to build... Any spirit you have a relationship with. Any spirit you have a protective relationship with, or is willing to protect you, ask them to build... Hedge of protection. protection. You don't have to use your own energy. You can use... So usually I think the best words are made up of actually like a composite of multiple sources of energy. The energy I actually mostly use involved in warding is not my personal energy. It's the house's energy yeah. because I'm working with the house whites mm-hmm. to set up these more specific barriers mm-hmm. that are in line with the walls of the house mm-hmm. that match the boundaries of the house mm-hmm. because that's what a ward is. It's a boundary. It's a, that's it's right. a barrier. So it makes sense to place it where the actual physical boundaries of the house are. Mm-hmm. And I work with the housewives and use the house's energy. And then I only use my energy to sort of key and specify the rules of the word. Mm-hmm. But most of the energy actually comes from the house. Mm-hmm. I think in my, my early years, as I was learning to ward, I used a lot more of my own energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why those wards would perhaps fail at times or right. not be as consistent because I was using only my personal energy to build a, a barrier or a shield around our home. Right, which is then something you have to sort of constantly <laughs> be keeping an eye on. Exactly. Whereas if you build a ward with other sources of energy, it will still need maintenance and upkeep over time, but you're tapping mm-hmm. uh, another more energetically powerful, maybe, mm-hmm. source. Exactly. Another thing people can use is symbols like anointing oil and salt and things mm-hmm. like that, and they can seal their windows and doors. Another thing that, well, I believe the Catholic Church and probably the Protestant Church does, 
is to anoint the lintels of a person's door. Oh, that, yes. goes, that, that goes, goes back to right back to Egypt. The, Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so they'll they'll use oil to anoint a door. Again, it can be used for protection. Now, for that, we don't have like a. This is the oil you must use for nope. wedding. You can use an essential oil. You can use uh, olive oil, blend, whatever feels right. Uh, any of the protectors. The blood of oh, a yeah. young lamb. The blood of a lamb. <laughs> Salt is real common. Yeah, if you if, you know they show it on Supernatural, and it is actually. A thing Although what you can I do. what I prefer to do usually is put it on the top lintel, yeah. so that mm-hmm. it doesn't get disturbed. Exactly. Right. Rather that's because a, damn, that's a wow. <laughs> The other thing My you can kids do. Think. The other thing you can do when you put it across the top or the bottom mm-hmm. uh, is you can again approach the house lights or the house spirits or the you know and ask that door spirit, if you will, or the threshold the guardian. threshold guardian to be a protective barrier you, with that salt, like empower that salt and to create a a barrier so that almost like. A filter so that when you come, at least I've done this, when you come through the home in from the outside into the home, anything that is sticky mm-hmm. is sloughed off. So kind of like a decontamination chamber? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some sort of energy lattice that you pass through and as you do, it has keys set to it to what's allowed in and what's not. Mm-hmm. Should you walk in slower then? No. 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 Okay. I mean, the energy works that it's, you know, energy is faster mm-hmm. than we are. And it's the same thing you can do anytime you use, when you anoint the door or you mm-hmm. do assault on the doors or the windows, ask the housewives or the, how, the guardians of the windows or the doors mm-hmm. to act as a shield and a barrier. I don't think windows and doors are barriers mm-hmm. so much as they're, those guardians aren't acting as barriers so much as doorkeepers. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a barrier, mm-hmm. but it's it's a selective barrier, right? Yeah, it's it a permeable be. barrier. I think it's, it's a, a door that can be opened. It 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 is. If but I think it also depends on what the person wants. If they don't want anything coming in from the outside, right. then you can see. That's this is what I'm saying. There are very very many ways. ways to set up your wards. So like, yep. I tend to do nesting wards inside of the house. So mm-hmm. Gwen and I usually will go through the house at some point and do a ward awarding for the whole house together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in my room separately, because I sometimes have different criteria for what I do and do not want right. to have access to my space than what Gwen does. Mm-hmm. I'll go through and create a separate ward just for my room, mm-hmm. which has different criteria for entry, different keys. I usually set it up so that like symbolically things come in through the window and can't exit through the door so that mm-hmm. things can come into my room, but not into the rest of the house. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then they have to exit again through the window. Mm-hmm. And then you can set up a separate ward around your, like, altar space mm-hmm. inside of that ward. So, like, I'll have multiple layers of wards with different Plus criteria. Plus, you can also shield yourself. Exactly. And then yep. I individually have a shield right. to protect exactly. me as a person as opposed to just the space. Exactly. And we do this, what would you say, I'm periodically, maybe quarterly sometimes. It depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever we feel like whenever it's Whenever we feel like it's needed that... Things need to be bolstered. In our new home, we have not actually no, we haven't set up the whole house words. But we have. But a I've house. set up words in my room. Yes, and I, I have sigils on the doors, mm-hmm. and I have. But also, we also have a house. Yeah, that we have a really strong house spirit, spirit that has a very protective energy on its own. Because our yeah. house is very old. Yes, it's old as over a girl, like a hundred years old. Over a hundred. Eighteen ninety is when this wow. house was built. Yep. Yeah, so it's 130 years old yeah, or something. Yeah. 
but it is always from the moment we entered this mm-hmm. home from the stack stone basement all the way to the second floor. It is very protective, very nurturing, and very loving, mm-hmm. and has been from the beginning. So we, I haven't felt the need to do anything other than some basic cleansing. Yeah, we did some basic cleansing when we got here. Otherwise, this house basically protects itself. It does. It does. And I um, I did an offering. I've done a couple of offerings since we moved in mm-hmm. to the house spirit, or spirits. We're, I'm, I think it's just one Yeah, there's just, there's, as far as I can here. tell, there's just one house yeah, light just here one in this house. house. Not like the apartments we've lived in. No, uh, no. Where you sort of get multiples of them. But there's one very strong, very powerful, very rooted house, house spirit, spirit in this house mm-hmm. that just like loves being a house. That's right. I, I don't know how else to describe it. And I know that sounds stupid, but it like... loves to shelter yeah. and care for... And I mean, there was a family, or actually I shouldn't say family, there were people living in this house before yeah. we moved in that trashed it. And you would think that there yeah, would we be some... We were expecting coming in for there, for there to be some residual negativity. Right. But there was None. absolutely nothing. The None. house just likes being a house and protecting people. In That's fact, just all it wants to do. In fact, when we walked through the threshold, it was like, oh, thank goodness you're here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> move in, move Welcome. in, move in as quick as you can. I mean, and we did, and we did, yes. <laughs> and, we did. and so, and so that is why I've never felt the need yeah, to do never, a major. Yeah, and we've done, like I said, we've done whole house wardings yes, before at all the other places we've lived, but it just hasn't felt necessary in right, this house. Right. So, now that said, I am planning, and I'm going to need your help for mm-hmm, this. Yeah. To do a warding of our yard. Prop- yes, the property. of the property, which we also have very strong land spirits. Mm-hmm. I feel like that extra yeah, protection they don't have, can be used. They don't have as strong a barrier set up yeah, because yeah. there are some weak points in the fence and some mm-hmm. holes in the fence and things um, that sort of separate this piece of property from the rest the of the surrounding yeah. property. Right. So the, the really localized land spirits don't have, I think, as strong a... Yeah a sense of presence and barrier, so we're going to do some warding of the land. Exactly. For that. And to do that, I'm actually, and this is a, a thing that people can do, I'm actually, I have some geodes mm-hmm. that I use, we used them in our previous home, Yep. that we use as little guardians, I Markers. guess. Yeah, Markers. Mar- yeah, we set them at the corners, I yep. guess, of the property. And so the spirits of those stones assist in holding the barrier mm-hmm. or the, the ward in place. Right. Yeah. They're, they're little guardian spirits mm-hmm. who, they help to, since you put them in the corners, they help establish what the limits, I guess, are mm-hmm. of the ward, but they also do, again, provide energy for the ward. Yep. One of the great things about setting up, like, a guardian stone or a statue or something like that is that they can serve not only as gatekeepers and, mm-hmm. and, and doorkeepers, but they can alert you to intrusions. Yes, exactly. Is that like the whole reason guards. why they put gargoyles? Yes. At, yes. At, on doors. Yeah. And it's time for Odes Stone Corner. Okay. So today I'm going to be talking about stibnite. Stibnite is a sulfide mineral. It is the most important source of antimony, which is a toxic metalloid. It is found in hydrothermal deposits all over the world, but it's usually found in relatively small deposits rather than the large ones, so they get mined out pretty quickly, and then you have to go find a new stibnite deposit. And I'm waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Gwen wants to know how she's heard of stibnite before. And how you've heard of stibnite before is that it's a, so it's a Mohs 2. It's a very, very soft stone. Sort of like graphite. If you rub it on a piece of paper, it'll leave, marks. It, it'll leave marks behind. And 
the Egyptians used to grind stibnite into a paste with animal fat and use it to accentuate their eyes as well. Cool. Yes. Gotcha. So stibnite was one of the original sources of cult. That's very cool. So it can come in massive formations, which are just sort of big blobby stone shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's better known. <laughs> what? Big blobby <laughs> stone shapes. That's the best way to describe it, I think. <laughs> but uh, it's most known for its needle-like or blade-like protrusions. Mm-hmm. So it's it'll... too bad it's only a Mo's too. Yeah, it's, yeah, right? It's extremely soft and, and brittle, and it, it sort of flakes, and you can actually, like, break off a blade of stibnite from a cluster with your hand. Gotcha. It's very, very soft. So stibnite usually needs to be kept in a, a box on its own, on, like, a piece of cotton. Right. It's not touching anything. Because it'll break. It'll, it'll break. It'll leave residue. It's just, it's just a very delicate stone. So your fingernails are two or, or two to a 2.5 mos. Okay. So stibnite is like about as strong as a fingernail. Gotcha. And because it makes these, these needle-like Protrusions. formations, yep. they're so you're extremely saying it wouldn't delicate. be good for stabbing? No. Not if you wanted it to break. remain a needle, yeah. <laughs> Melkor says, don't snort a few pounds, they're not good for you. Yeah, so. Enter the rant. If you look up stibnite online, you'll see a lot of articles about how stibnite is one of the most toxic minerals on Earth, one of the most deadly stones, uh, because it contains antimony. And antimony is a toxic metalloid. But A, there's no evidence that you can absorb antimony by touching stibnite. So the only research that we have for antimony toxicity is industrial applications where it's been inhaled in large quantities over time. Mm, where they haven't had some sort of mask uh-huh, or something. Protection, yeah. And there used to be, in ancient times, some plateware and silverware that was made out of antimony because it's sort of a silvery metallic color. Mm-hmm. And you would get antimony poisoning from that, which would make you very nauseous and cause you to throw up. And in fact, they used to make goblets in like the 1800s. They used to make goblets out of antimony. Specifically, the intention was to make you throw up. So they'd make these antimony goblets, they'd put a little bit of wine in it, they'd leave it there for several hours so that the wine would leach the antimony, and then they'd drink small doses of the wine until it induced emesis, until it induced vomiting. Mm -hmm. So it was an emetic. It's an early form of activated charcoal. Basically, yeah. So antimony is bad for you if you ingest it or if you inhale it. It's a potential carcinogen. They've been able to prove it's carcinogenic in rats, but not in humans. Mm -hmm. But you're extremely unlikely to actually acquire antimony poisoning of any kind through stibnite. Mm -hmm. You would have to either eat several pounds of stibnite or crush the stibnite and inhale it in order to actually make yourself sick with it. So... Although the general precaution is to wash your hands after handling stibnite so that you don't eat something later with Mm -hmm. stibnite residue on your hands. It's not actually so toxic that you can't have it in your home or that it's going to sicken you. Just don't eat it. Don't put it in gem infusions and don't snort it. (laughs) And as Gemma says, no licking rocks. No licking these rocks, yes. There are, there are many rocks you should not ingest or lick. Malachite is another one. Mm-hmm. Stibnite and malachite, basically the same kind of rules apply. Just don't eat it and you'll be okay. Because there's a, a thing that's been really popular for several years, especially gem in the new age waters. thing. Yes. Yeah, there's gem waters, which seems to me like it's just smart not to do that. Yeah, generally speaking, yes. There are some gems where it's not going to leach any, like 
quartz, mm-hmm. rose quartz, chances of it leaching anything that's going to hurt you are extremely slim. But most people don't know enough about gem toxicity to make that judgment call for yeah. themselves. So I tell people just not to make gem elixirs. Stick with the safe and, you know, plant herbal infusions that you know are not going to poison you. Yeah. So <laughs> there are some potential health risks with stibnite, but it's not as dangerous as the internet would have you believe. Just don't lick it. Don't try to eat it. Don't try to snort it. And you're probably going to be fine. Or yep. as Scooby says, don't make out with hug them. the rocks, don't make out with them. Exactly. <laughs> and then just wash your hands afterwards. Which yeah. right. you should be you should only be handling specimens with clean hands anyway, and washing your hands afterwards, because otherwise if you then go make yourself a sandwich Or gloves. Yeah. Or gloves. Yep. You can also do gloves. You have gloves. Yes. Throw away gloves. Which many of us also have gloves now because right, yeah. of yes. COVID concerns. That's right. So wear your mask. Bring your mask and gloves, gloves to deal with your specimens, <laughs> and then there will be no risk to you whatsoever. And <laughs> everybody now owns masks uh-huh, and yeah. gloves. So, That's yeah. right. Stibnite is, when it's freshly mined, is this silvery gray metallic color. Mm-hmm. But over time, it actually tarnishes to become a black color and sometimes slightly iridescent. So you can actually tell how recently a stibnite specimen has been mined by what color it is. Okay, cool. The uses of stibnite in ore, essentially, for antimony. And antimony is used in multiple, like, applications in your everyday life. So, safety matches. The red tip of safety matches has uh, antimony in it because it's flame retardant. So, it's Mm. used in a lot of flame retardant materials. It's used in semiconductors. (laughs) Cars checking to see if there's antimony in Mountain Dew. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> and it's also used as a lead alloy in batteries, bullets, and bearings. So you actually come into, like, surface contact right. with antimony on a fairly regular basis. It's right. just a stable form of antimony. So you're also saying, then, you probably shouldn't eat the matches. Probably shouldn't eat the matches. Okay. Probably shouldn't eat any flame-resistant materials you happen to own. Probably shouldn't eat any bullets. Oh, you're making black cats sad. <laughs> Lots of things contain antimony, and you shouldn't eat any of them. <laughs> so, but the uses of stibnite, like I said, like I said, it's um, a very, very soft stone. So you don't want to handle it too much. Mm. But if you have a specimen, as long as you're willing to like touch it very carefully or not touch it at all, like just have it in your space. You can use it for grounding. Uh, it's good for sort of mellowing energies. That's the related to the sort of all the flame retardant properties where like you get a big burst of energy into a stibnite and it just kind of, yeah, dampens it down, makes it a more manageable amount of energy. The, so there's like a different character between more blade-like or massive stibnite and the needly clusters of stibnite. So the more blade-like and massive stibnites tend to be mellower overall. And the more needly clusters tend to be more active and to have more, a little more punch to them. Mm -hmm. And something else that you can use stibnite for is glamours because of that early association with the Egyptians with with the makeup, with making cosmetics with it. So you can use it for glamours. And the reason the Egyptians actually used it, they believed it had like general health benefits for your eyes. It doesn't, but the Egyptians believed that it did. And it, that's now an association for Sibnite, so you can use it to sort of as a glamour or to see more clearly. Mm. So, very interesting. those are various uses for Sibnite. Very cool. That's it for Oats Stone Corner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alrighty <laughs> then. 
So gargoyles. We were talking about statues, gargoyles, things that you can use as a guardian in front of your space. Yes. So gargoyles actually had twofold purposes on, like, cathedrals. Mm -hmm. One, they were early rain gutters because they'd slope out from the roof, and then water, they'd be hollow, and water would flow down the roof into the gargoyle and out through the mouth so that it didn't run down and destroy the foundation. I think they could also use that for defensive measures as well. Hypothetically, they could pour hot hot oil oil and stuff like that. Things like that. Yeah. But the sort of day-to-day function of a gargoyle, if you weren't engaged in the middle of a siege, <laughs> was just to ward off bad spirits. It was mm-hmm. a it was a general apotropaic magical thing. And it's kind of like scary, scary images to right. scare off the scary exactly. images. Exactly. Sort of the Taken same. Taken kind of from, you know, pagan beliefs yes. from long ago. So, sort of the same philosophy as with a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. You make a scary face so that other smaller scary things are spooked away by your scary thing. That's right. Sort of like when owls puff themselves up to seem bigger yeah, and more yeah. threatening. Or our cat. Or our does, cat, yeah. Does the kind of Halloween cat uh-huh, thing where he arches his back and t- puffs his tail up. Yep. To make and him hops so, sideways. And hops sideways. Hops sideways. Or he does the stallion thing now. So yes. He, he does a lot of He'll shock and awe. Where he rears up on his hind legs and hops. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> He's a weird cat. But it's anyway, the same idea. It's very true. Yeah, it's that same idea of being like, I'm bigger and scarier than you. Shock um, and awe. Yes, even even though it is more symbolic yes. than representative yes. of your actual degree of, of danger. But with modern witchcraft, mm-hmm. if you're setting up wards, you can put a gargoyle up not just to sort of symbolically ward away spooky things, but you can actually awaken a spirit in the gargoyle Mm -hmm. and give it the job of specifically warding away scary things. You can do the same thing with dragon statues. Mm -hmm. Um, Any kind of fierce mythical creature can can be um, used in this function. What about those little troll dolls people put in their gardens? That would probably work. That would work. But you can also... Gnomes with the hats. Yeah, gnomes. They're not trolls. People also used to put uh, statues of their of their gods mm-hmm. in front of their doors. In fact, Hecate was one. It was called the Hecatean, and they would uh, create a shrine with uh, an image of Hecate in front of their doors because she's a, a guardian of doorways and, and crossroads and things. Nice. So people still, there are Hecatean witches who cre- you can still today create a Hecatean at your door, and she will protect entry into your home. You can also use keys. Again, Hecate right. is a, a goddess of keys, mm-hmm. but also uh, Frigga uses keys as well. So I actually have a set of witches' uh, bells because they, you know, bells can also be used for protection. And but for it, cleansing. And for cleansing. But it has a key hanging from the center mm-hmm. that it is used to protect the home and only those that are allowed to enter may enter. Yeah, I actually have a little charm on my door, on the inside of my bedroom door that I got from a roommate ages and ages ago. But it's got a little bell on the bottom. So every time mm-hmm. I open my door, the bell rings. Mm-hmm. And it's this little sort of like passive ongoing cleansing that happens every time I enter my room. Yeah, exactly. Now, There's don't a lot we also things. have a thing hanging over our door? We do. Yes, we have Leander. We have Leander, who is actually a voodoo doll who was gifted mm-hmm. to us by Witch Doctor Utu. Yep. Uh, at the last time we were at Michigan Pagan Fest, which was yep. last year. Last year. Yeah. And so Leander is a guardian of our doorway. Mm-hmm. So he guards that threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always put him over the main entrance to the house. Yes. Yes, we do. And. Oddly, for some reason, in this home, he yes. likes to lean. We, no matter what we do, yeah. 
Yes, yeah. we've tried to stand him up straight several times, but he wants to be leaning a little bit to the right. So yeah, we, we're leaving yeah, him. We're we just, leaving we him just leave him to do that. <laughs> That's exactly. what he wants to do. I also use pentacles throughout the home, mm-hmm. and I have a witch's ball that has protective yes. herbs in it and a little key that also is uh, is a protective charm that is currently on our on our porch. Yeah. Yep. We have the, uh, what are those things called that you draw? Sigil? That's it. Yes. We have on, <laughs> on the front, on both our doors, mm-hmm. specifically set up as like anti-COVID yes. sigils. Right, yes. yes. We have anti-COVID sigils. That was a sigil that was created by Laura Tempest-Zakroff, mm-hmm. and she made it available for people, which she does that from time to time. Yep. Creates uh, sigils that people can use in their personal practice. And so I put one on the inside and outside of both our front and back doors. And it is about health and protection Mm -hmm. and preventing COVID from entering. (laughs) And then we also, so moving outside of our house, because you don't have to put wards just on your house. No. I have a bind rune in our car. Oh my God. That thing works so well. Which acts as a ward. Its job is to protect the car from collisions mostly, but from other you know. Originally, it was originally done because the roads were icy yes. and our insurance had expired. Yes. <laughs> so, so this bind room's job is to protect the car from anything that might stop the car from functioning, essentially. Yeah. Yep. And it has worked beautifully. Yeah. Since I mentioned trolls, everybody's looking at getting troll dolls. Those little troll dolls, with yeah. The, with, with the, the long, hair. spiky hair yes. stuff, yeah. So would those work? I mean, I, I guess think if so, you put yeah. a spirit, yeah. You, okay. could, you could welcome a spirit into one of those little troll dolls. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, and then creating. it becomes a horror movie later, right? <laughs> <laughs> you create, you use, you can create a charm out mm-hmm. of pretty much any object. And so, yeah, you could take a little, a little troll, little troll doll, doll. Yep. and make it into a protective charm and put it in your garden or put it in your home, your kid's bedroom. If they're, you don't want to put something that would frighten them, but they think troll dolls are fun <laughs> and cute. Create a, a charm and say, this little troll doll is going to protect you. You could get the little troll doll that goes on top of a pencil. True. Put the spirit in it and send it with your kid send to school. Send it with your kid to just bring a little. Right. Yeah, but you can ward objects yes, as right. well as exactly. physical locations. Like I said, I think the easiest wards to set up are the ones where you have a physical boundary. Yes. So you can say, these are the limits of the ward. What you're essentially creating with an object that you take with you is a bubble shield. It's a little protective charm. Mm -hmm. And so you could wear something, you know, as a charm that is a protective ward Mm -hmm. that is bigger, maybe a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel like you have the energy for a personal shield. This is the the real advantage Mm -hmm. of a ward over a shield, Mm -hmm. especially if you aren't fueling the ward with your own energy. Mm -hmm. If you use another energy source for your ward, mm-hmm. then if your personal energy is at a low ebb, you have the ward still. To, to give you, to bolster mm-hmm. your, your to shield. Be your to protection be your protection until you have enough energy to keep your own shield running again. Exactly. Rana has a bobblehead of the notorious RBG. <laughs> she <laughs> a great ward. Yeah, so I yes. think that would be amazing. That would yeah. be amazing. excellent. Yes. Because, again, it comes down to, it doesn't matter what the object is, if it has meaning to you, and you charm this object mm-hmm. to become a ward of protection, it will do the job. Rana actually said earlier, on the day that each of my kids were born, hubby went out to pick up a gargoyle for them. So they each have a gargoyle to carry around their whole life, whether they want it or not, for protection. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> and if you get it to them early enough, they wouldn't be they won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. 
Exactly. Scuba says, ooh, my mom gifted me a wooden owl statue. I may have to charm it now. There yeah, you go. Absolutely. That would be exactly right. And Justin says, word the country with RGB, Rana. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she must <laughs> She must endure. Wins, God, and gems. Mm-hmm. He beat me. I was going to do <laughs> Okay. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is blackberry. Ooh. Because blackberries are very popular in the summer. And um, they're they actually... Do make a wonderful hedge because blackberries are very protective. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful to to grow because they're actually really easy once you get them into the ground. Once they're established, once they're established, they're a perennial. They will keep coming back. Now, first of all, the botanical name for blackberry, and this is really American blackberry because you have European, you have uh, American, and it's Rubus fruticosis. Okay. It is a plant that enjoys being in the full sun. It does enjoy being in sandy soil, and acidic pH is okay for the soil. Its best bloom time, obviously, is in the summer. It is a summer fruit. And so you'll probably, you would want to plant it after the frost in Mm -hmm. early spring. You can plant it in the fall if you Want it, want it to overwinter. But realize that it's going to be dormant mm-hmm. when you plant it, and then it'll grow. But it won't bear fruit the first year. Yeah. It'll just grow. Now, they are there are different types of blackberry. You have erect, thorny blackberries, erect, thornless blackberries, and trailing, thornless blackberries. Basically, the, the erect are the type that they just grow into big into bushes. bushes. Yeah. Big bushes. The one that we have planted out in our yard is a bush. It stands tall on its own. It doesn't need a stake or anything, a trellis for the, like a trailing thornless blackberry would need a trellis to grow on. That makes sense. Because otherwise, everywhere the blackberry cane touches on the ground, it will, it'll root root into, like um, like ivy. Yes, it's like ivy. So that can be a little bit more hard to control. That's why you want, if you're going to have a trailing thornless blackberry, you you want a trellis. You want to have a trellis. Keep a close eye on it. And keep an eye on it. (laughs) Otherwise, get the kind that can be just be a bush. Okay. And it'll continue to just grow up and support itself. Again, all blackberries are perennials. The roots survive year after year. So once it's established, it's going to keep coming back. Um, it does need a sunny spot and you do need to make sure it gets plenty of water. Top of the, of the plant, they will die down. They will die back. Right. And you're going to think, oh my God, my, my bush, it's dying. No, it's, it's, that's, that's natural. That's natural. It's going to, it's going to go into a dormant state. Mm -hmm. Next year, those roots will, all of a sudden, everything will start shooting up again and get nice and green and you'll have berries. So the berries are... Aside from being delicious. Yes, aside from being delicious. They start out like as a little white berry and it'll grow. Once it is like not a shiny, you don't want it to be shiny. It has to be kind of a matte black. That's when it's ready to be picked. What's wrong with a shiny black? Apparently that's overbright. Had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's kind of, when it's ready to be picked, it's kind of a matte black. Huh. Mm -hmm. And so for magic, as far as magic is concerned, because blackberries, you know, blackberries are delicious. You can use the... Put them into a pie. You can put them into a pie. You can make them into a jam. You can eat them fresh, make them into a mead. The leaves are also very good for tea. You can make blackberry tea. That's good for... uh, Blackberry tea is good for, like, menstrual issues or for um, menopause. Okay. Also, when it comes to magic... (laughs) 
It is associated with the element of water. It is also associated with the fairies. So if you would like to work with fairies or invite fairies into your yard, you can, to... yep, you can plant a blackberry bush or you can offer a dish of blackberries or nice things like of that nature. The deities that are associated with blackberry are Brigid, the Dagda, Danu, Freya, and Mananan. So these make really great offerings to those deities. You so. can burn the dried leaves to attract money. You can sprinkle the dried leaves around your property to draw luck. You can make a wreath from the prickly canes to hang above your altar or front door for protective energy. Yeah, those prickles are why it's a protective mm-hmm. one. But you can also use a blackberry cane along your altar for grounding energy because blackberry is very good for grounding. It's all those roots. Mm-hmm. In European folk medicine, the arching canes from the from the the trailing the trailing blackberry were believed to have magical properties, and they would have children pass underneath them hmm. to protect them from certain illnesses. They also were used to ward against evil. Technically, back then it was witches. Right. It was also known to be placed on graves with the belief they would keep the dead in place. So hmm. they would place blackberry. Bushes. To deter vampires. Yeah. <laughs> they would put them and around zombies. graves and yeah. to, to, a, to make prevent, sure everybody stay where yeah, they belong. To prevent the earth. dead from rising. It's good to know. Yep. Black Cat says they'll also keep people the fuck away from the grave. Ever rip those fuckers out? Mm-hmm. So many thorns. <laughs> yes, if you have the thorn, the thorny kind. There is a thornless variety that you can get if you want to plant a thornless Would that be as good for protection? I feel like the thorns are part of the protection. Yeah, I feel like if you want to work with blackberry in your magic, definitely get the kind with the thorns because then it is, a, you can yeah. use it. So you want like a super thorny blackberry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way you can draw luck and you can protect. Mm-hmm. That's it for Gwyn's Garden Gems. We were going to talk about um, doing upkeep on wards. So, like I said, although there are a lot of energy sources you can use and a lot of different spirits that you can work with Mm -hmm. when setting up a ward, sometimes, and this is going to depend some on, like, the way you design your ward. Some people very carefully set up their wards so that they're kind of set and forget. Mm-hmm. And they kind of upkeep themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you can sort of build in these mechanical systems into a ward where, like, any energy that it absorbs, it reconverts and uses for the ward. I do that with with uh, personal shields. Mm-hmm. Create like filter. Yeah, like the really basic wards, like mm-hmm. the most basic wards with no like mechanical complexities to yep. them, need almost, I think, more maintenance than yes. the more complicated wards do, because when you start building a mechanically complex ward with mm-hmm. multiple interlocking systems, you if, can set it up to be self-maintaining. Exactly. When you set up a basic ward, you haven't set anything up to take care of it or to maintain it, mm-hmm. and so eventually it's going to start to break down, or there will be wear and tear in places. And or... so you'll need to stabilize it more often. Mm-hmm. You want to do it perhaps once a month, yeah, as opposed to once a year. Yeah, and that's, you can sort of tell when a ward is starting to Mm -hmm. fail if you, like, check in on these things. Yep, you can because a lot of times, at least for me, I I notice that there's more kind of flare-ups of of anger and temper in the house Mm -hmm. or an overall malaise. Uh, on yeah, just in, sort of the vibe goes down. The, the vibe goes down in the home. Yeah. It doesn't feel restful or peaceful mm-hmm. or welcoming. There's kind of a, you know, just a, a heaviness. Yeah. When the wards are not active and, and working strong. properly yeah. and strong. 
or I, yeah, I know for me, if I know the wards are breaking down a little bit when I get visitors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, the psychic, definitely yeah. know when the wards are breaking when, down. <laughs> when, when I start getting visitors in my home, because that's one thing that I now do with my, with my wards is I'm like, visitors, you need to visit me when mm-hmm. I'm working outside the home. The home is sacred. Right. So, unless I invite, you know, specific, specific spirits and in. individuals. Right. Yeah. And there are specific spirits and individuals mm-hmm. that, and are welcome that are more than, and they know they're welcome, and I maintain that mm-hmm. within the wards of the house. Family members are always welcome. Right. Spirit guides are welcome. Deities, obviously. Right. You know, things like so, that. So, and we're going to have to make sure that Jackson's welcome once. <laughs> Which will be in a couple of weeks. Yes, yep. yes, Jackson's coming soon. Normally it's Jesus is coming soon. Oh. Now it's Jackson, Jackson is coming soon. Jackson is coming soon. <laughs> We're going to get him on the podcast. Probably occasionally, yes. Yeah. Yep. Something we've mentioned a couple of times, but maybe not explained, mm-hmm. is how to key a ward so mm-hmm. that or to set up those filters and rule sets, right, for like mm-hmm. who can come in. So most of that's intention and just like, Yes. Establishing intentionally, deliberately what you are and are not going to allow in or out. Mm-hmm. But do you have any specific ways that you do that? I use my keys for that. That's what the key on the door is for. Uh, I allow certain spirits. But how do you set the keys to know what it can do? Through intention and an incantation. There you go. Hold the key. I envision its job. Mm-hmm. I tell it its job and I speak the words and then I hang it. Yeah. A lot of wards, even though they may have physical components, mm-hmm. the fundamental structure of the thing is energy. Yeah. So it's all intention-based. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And because it's a key, you can also, you know, and if you're an animist or mm-hmm. you believe there is a, a spirit living within the metal of that key, yep. you can ask that key to be a guardian and to do to, key jobs. To do key jobs. <laughs> right. Which is why a key is perfect for that. Exactly. Yeah. To lock or unlock the word to, as appropriate. Exactly. As appropriate. And you say these are the types of spirits are, that are allowed in. Mm-hmm. These are the types that are not allowed in. This is, will you do this job for me? And again, we come back to this as a concept repeatedly, but when you're setting those limits when you're establishing those rules for who can and can't come in mm-hmm. specificity yes. is very important and knowing I, exactly who you're willing to let in and exactly who you're not willing to exactly. let in is important because otherwise someone could kind of sneak in under false pretenses and because right. i'm an animist i do want to say i always ask the object or the plant if it's willing to if work it's in this willing capacity. to work in this capacity if it's not i find a find different one else, yeah. i find something else so I have a question on the letting ancestors in thing. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Have you been specific about which ancestors are not allowed in? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. There are, well, there's one very specific ancestor. Yep. There's really only one that I know of. Yeah. My dad. Yeah. <laughs> Who does not have entry to our house. But when my when my brother passed away earlier this month. Yeah, we actually invited we him. We invited him to the right. shrine. And, you know, made sure his picture was there. And 
made an offering of beer because he loved beer. Loved beer yes. And I lit candles every day for a week saying, you're welcome to this space. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to, to my home. In. Right. And to guide him in. So that's how I established that. Yep. And establishing things like, so for starters, we as a general rule didn't welcome his presence. Right. So I don't think... In he, life either. In life so. either, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think he would have been necessarily no, drawn to our altars. Right. But even if he had been... Mm-hmm. There, I, yes, there are rules in place that he is not welcome at the ancestor right. shrine, and, and that not was my altars. And that was by his choice. I just want to yeah, say yeah. we're just reinforcing that. So, right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. He decided he didn't want to be involved with us, so, so we said okay. okay. <laughs> so we're we're making sure that that continues. Mm-hmm. Well, you all handle all that stuff, so I exactly. Was, yeah. So I was like, hmm, I mm-hmm. should probably ask this question. Yeah. Yeah, and any and I have a specific ritual. If I do sense there's an unwelcome spirit mm-hmm. that has managed to sneak in, yep. I have a specific to, ritual. To yeah, to eject it and then to check the wards exactly <laughs> to find to out say, how okay, that happened. Let's and patch up any holes up a little bit, or to make more specific rules for the guardians yeah. and things yeah. like that about who is and isn't allowed to come in. Yep. You know, you should visit uh, Birmingham's violin studio. Oh. Yeah, where our tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin for anyone ages 7 and up for about 20 years. Aww. Kristen tailors each lesson specifically to the student, since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, rather than teaching from a single method or method book. Kristen also has a Master's of Music in Violin Performance and has played professionally with Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and pre-American idol, Kelly Clarkston. That's cool. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. It's a pretty good deal. That is a great deal. Yep. And it sounds like such a wonderful opportunity. I, I am a music mm-hmm. person myself with a degree in musical performance. I used to teach piano. And I love that she tailors every lesson to the individual students. Yeah, because there are some tutors out there who definitely just teach, like, a book. <laughs> yeah, they right. teach by a specific method, and that can be very frustrating to students. Well, what is that method that is the violin thing? Oh, oh the one that's oh. like... I know, I know what you're talking it's about. I know what you're talking about. It's like new method that called. everybody yeah. in the world yeah. uses. Standard violin. Yeah. Two Suzuki method. Suzuki yeah. method, yeah. So make sure you check it out. Yep. All right. Anything else to talk about with words? We could talk a little bit about the mechanics of how to set up a more mechanically complex shield. It's all going to be energy work again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is going to be visualization. And I'm not 100% sure how to translate it for people who don't do visualization. Mm-hmm. You'd have to use other senses or focus, I guess, purely on setting your intention, maybe mm-hmm. using other methods. Or you could use those objects. You could enchant right. those objects to be that Part, to do this job. To do this job yeah, within in this, the, in the ward. Within the ward. Um, but more mechanically complex wards can do things like mirroring. So you can visualize a mirrored component to mm-hmm. your ward mm-hmm. where anything that is sent to you bounces off back to yep. the center. You can set up your ward so that it rotates or moves mm-hmm. in some way to make it more difficult to 
gain access to. You can make it a filter so that right it filters out. So that it's out. sort of semi-permeable. Yeah, semi-permeable, and, or so that it takes and converts right negative energy into something that is positive and useful, or strengthens your own strengthens shield. The wards. Yeah, you can you can essentially create like a vampiric ward. Yeah, yeah. That instead of bouncing energy back, takes the energy in, converts it into energy for the ward. Yep. Which is one of those sort of self-sustaining mm-hmm. ward systems. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can set up your ward to draw from multiple energy sources and mm-hmm. to work with multiple spirits. That's why I like using more than just one method. Mm-hmm. That's how you can. That's how you can create a more complicated. Yeah, is ward. you sort of build them on top of each other. Exactly. You start with an energetic. You use symbols or sigils. Mm-hmm. You use objects. You you know that you've charmed. You ask. Plants to, and, and stones, various spiritual allies to guard, protect, and mm-hmm. strengthen your layers. Wars. Say streaking yes. and gale of the sea forged. Yes, exactly. It's exactly. like winter. Wear many layers. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Don't just put on <laughs> yeah, one exactly. cape. Yeah, one big coat. One yeah. big coat. Wear put on multiple layers. Exactly. Your t-shirt, your long shirt over that. Yep. Your sweater over that. Yep. Your coat over that. Your scarf. Right. Yep. And no, like for me, I use a lot of plants in in my yes, wards because I'm I'm a plant that's lady. What, that's, that's just that's your whole vibe. My vibe. But whatever works best for you. So if you, it doesn't someone, have to be plants. It doesn't have to be plants. It doesn't have to be stones. It could be an animal spirit of some kind. Mm-hmm. It, and if you want to use um, an image of that animal, like that, can be part of it too. It can be whatever works for you. Shit, you can use electronics. Exactly. You can use spider web. You mm-hmm. can use spider because they create very complex webs yep, that, that trap catch things. That yeah. catch things and trap things and don't allow it in. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's only one more thing we need to do. I think, I think you're right. Cars, feast, table. Christmas table. <laughs> Every time. Um. So I do have something for cars, feast, table. Justin asks, how do you hoard a feast table? Specifically, one set by car. Protect the food, the table, the three days car needs to cook based on prior episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one does not take three days. Oh, this will take out. you three hours. Okay. Maybe right. four. That's still a lot, but all right. <laughs> all right. And so this recipe is for sticky toffee pudding. And I love oh. sticky toffee pudding so much. Okay, then. <laughs> so good. So good. Two different kinds of ingredients here. You're going to need your ingredients for your cake okay. or your pudding, pudding in this case. Right. Cause the British, the British, kind of pudding. The British kind of pudding. Dessert. Yep. Um, and then your toffee sauce. So okay. your ingredients for your cake are six and a half ounces of dates pitted and chopped. One okay. teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda. One cup of boiling water. One and three quarters ounces of butter. Five and a quarter ounces of soft brown sugar. Two eggs. And six and a half ounces of self-rising flour that has been sifted. All right. Three King Fate wants to know, is there a toffee mead to accompany it? Uh, that can happen. <laughs> um, Perhaps in the future. I already have a creme brulee mead working. So, oh. so you're going to heat your oven to 350 degrees, and you're going to mix the dates and the bicarbonate of soda in a heat-proof bowl. Okay. And then pour boiling water over the top, and then set it aside. Okay, just so, let it yep, do its yep. stuff. And then you're going to cream the butter and sugar until it's pale. Okay. Then add your eggs one at a time, beating them well after each addition. Okay. Gently fold in the sifted flour, and then stir in your date mixture. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're going to pour those into half-cup ramekins. All right. You make a little toffee pudding. Yes, okay. because you don't want to eat this entire thing all at once. Okay. <laughs> so you could make a large sizes. one and slice it into smaller. It's not nearly as fun as putting it's it in half-cup ramekins. Yeah. Well, I don't have little uh, ramekins, so it's going to have to be a big one. We, we, do, have we do have we have ramekins. Not that many. Oh, blue ones. We have, like, two of those left. That would work. <laughs> you just have to make them a bunch of times. Um, and then you're going to bake it for uh, 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Or until the inserted skewer comes out clean. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to take five and a half ounces of soft brown sugar, nine fluid ounces of light whipping cream, half a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a tablespoon of butter. And you're going to combine all of that in a saucepan, bring it to a boil, stirring it the entire time. While it's boiling. While it's boiling. And then let it simmer for about five minutes. And then you have two choices. Oh, there's a multiple choice. It's it's a multiple multiple choice. I prefer taking that syrup after your cakes are done, Mm -hmm. pouring enough over the top for your sticky toffee pudding, and putting it back in the oven for five minutes. Mm, So it gets kind of crisps. It crisps up. It makes it way more sticky. Okay. And in my opinion, way more delicious. But you can also just pour that sauce so over top of. over top yep. and then mm-hmm. exactly. eat as is. Exactly. So there you go. Sticky toffee pudding. Mm-hmm. With variable, variable degrees of sticky. Exactly. <laughs> and I just want to bring up that in Yay Verily, three days, Ode will be 30 years old. That's, That's right. right. My birthday's coming. Yep. Also, Rabbit says you forgot the treacle. Uh, I don't have treacle in this. There's no treacle in this recipe, Jenna. That is yep. not true. Sticky Sticky toffee pudding. Sorry? Jeez. But anyway, so yes, please join us in saying an early happy birthday to to Ode. Ode. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear Ode. Happy birthday to you. Did you have to do the birthday half day? He always does. It's tradition. This is true. <laughs> yes. So Finn says, happy leveling up day. Ode. Yes. I have a feeling it's going to feel exactly the same as 29. <laughs> um, you'd be really surprised because you've never had a birthday in COVID before. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't do a whole lot for my birthday anyway, though. Well, we usually, we, take we usually go dinner, out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. give you a gift. Yeah. But this year it's going to be pizza and pizza delivered, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully you'll still get a gift. Maybe. We'll see about that. If I get a chance to go to the store between now and then. (laughs) Ever so briefly. (laughs) To, like, run in all masked up. Yep. (laughs) I need a present for my child. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, later strikes again. Yeah. All right. Haley so, Finley says, honestly, an introvert's dream of a birthday. True. That's true. And Justin it? said, Kapoozies? Kazoopies. Kazoopies? Why do I always wrong. say it wrong? He even spelled it right, and you said it wrong. <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, he introvert the P and the Z. that it should be Kapoozies. That's it's right. Kazoopies. It's Kazoopies. It's a local pizza joint. It's very it's good. Awesome. Yeah. It's the best. They do pizza and grinders and... All kinds of fun calzone. stuff. Yeah, calzones. Yeah, calzones. We had things. calzones from them recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Gail of the Sea Forge says, when you're closer to death. And yes, objectively true. Actually, not true, because Ode will never actually die. Ode will become a cyborg. 
if at all possible. It is. It is written. So let it be written. So, <laughs> so let, let it be let said. It be done. <laughs> so let it be done. <laughs> done. Yeah. That's uh. very good. How King and I of you. <laughs> There's that royal we again. Uh huh. Yeah. A, and we've brought it back around to the very beginning <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. This is Full this circle. is a this is a great. Uh, comedians thing is they always end with uh-huh. what they start uh-huh. with. So that means we're done. Google us. Exactly. Three tables and a cat. <laughs> <laughs>